Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybeal. Hey guys, welcome uh, back to the show. This is episode 15 of the Business and Leadership Podcast with me, your host, uh, Jared Grabiel. Um, this show is actually formerly known as Live Well, Lead Well. So if you were a previous audience and you had been listening or watching in the past, um, we decided to change the name a couple reasons. Um, one, I, I mean, I love the name Live Well, Lead Well. We took some time creating that, but we decided uh, to be transparent that it was a little abstract for our vision and our direction. And so we decided that um, the best name for this show was the Business and Leadership Podcast. That's what we've redirected the, the primary topics to be. Um, and just to give you an idea of the flow of this show is that what we aim to do is once a month, um, launch an episode that can give you vision and direction and education in terms of leadership and business. Uh, so we hope to launch that in the middle of each month. And hopefully we'll have bonus episodes from time to time where we get to interview people um, that are doing some great things in the world of business and leadership from across the country. So, um, But back to the episode 15. Uh, and if you missed episode 14, I'd love for you to tune in. Um, in that particular episode, uh, I actually tell a little bit about my life and some of the leadership principles that I had to learn the hard way. So if you want to hear a great story or an interesting story, tune back into episode 14. And, um, and hopefully by listening to that episode, you'll avoid some of the mistakes that I made and a lot of common mistakes that other leaders make. And uh, hopefully you can be successful without those pitfalls and failures. Anyways, this episode I'm actually really, really fired up about. Um, it's one of the topics that I'm extremely passionate about um, that we're going to be teaching on today. And the title of episode 15 is Time or Money, Choose One. And so one of the things that really breaks my heart is uh, people, especially the people that I care about, not living up to their potential and in turn being unhappy. Right, And for, for any of you that have a heart, um, anytime you run into a friend or a family member that's just generally not happy, um, that, that hurts you, right? Like we, we generally want to help people that are unhappy in their lives. Um, but the thing is, if people don't learn how to help themselves, there's really very little that we can do. And so this episode is going to be um, really just based on how I can help you or how you can help yourself fulfill your God-given potential. So as I mentor friends, um, as I work with E3 clients, um, and really as I browse social media, I see one common theme. Um, most people aren't reaching their goals, and that's for one of two reasons, either not enough time or the excuse that there isn't enough time or simply not enough money. Um, now, that's because we have over time conditioned ourselves to believe that we have like this specific predisposed capacity and that subconsciously we have chosen uh, free time or a surplus of money. So a lot of us think that we literally have to decide on, do I want to have free time or do I want to have more money? Um, and most people that have a lot of money are always too busy to spend time with their friends or family. And a lot of people that are consistently social or always out in the public or always you know, partying or whatever it is that they do on the weekends, they're oftentimes complaining about being broke. And so I have friends on both ends of the spectrum that I wish had more time to hang out, but they're 
too busy doing great things, cool things, making a lot of money. Or I have those friends, right, that, that are always free, but then at the end of the day are complaining about, you know, lack of opportunity and things like that. So this episode is really to help people find out the fact that you can have both, right? So the title is really just kind of a, a trick. You don't have to choose one if you do it right. And so unfortunately, at least in America, we are seeing people dramatically lean to one side or the other. Um, and we're actually seeing the largest income gap since the 1920s. And worse, the largest percentage of people struggling uh, with mental disorders like anxiety and depression. And I think that all comes back to how we manage our time. So what we're going to talk about today is by learning to manage these two things better, we can learn to make more money, take back our time, and live happier, healthier lives. And so my mission really in life, I've defined it, at least in this season of my life, is just to empower others to live happier, healthier lives. Um, so what I'm about to say is, is really not to boast, but it's just to give perspective. It's, it's really, if you don't know me, um, hopefully this will give you a little bit more confidence and I guess receiving this information from me. So uh, I'm, I'm big on time management and I would like to think that I'm somewhat of an expert in, in doing so. And so I'll kind of lay that out. Obviously, we have this company, Superfit Foods, that I lead as the CEO and I have an incredible staff that helps me do so. But that's a full-time job. And then I have this, I call it a passion project or a side hustle. It's called E3. And that's a consulting agency that I that I operate, um, that I have uh, one employee that helps me do so as well. She's awesome. And, uh, and then, of course, I work out maybe 10 hours a week. I'm really passionate about my fitness goals. Um, I do spend about 8 to 10 hours a week with what I call social time, spending it with friends and family. I'm a part-time college student. Uh, I work on side projects like I just built a, a website for myself with the help of a friend. Um, I have hobbies like I like to paint and I like to travel. And so I say all that to say that like most people think that you can only have a job or you can only go to school or you can only, but it is definitely possible to exercise, to eat healthy, to go to work, to hang out with your friends, to have healthy relationships and to practice some hobbies all within the same calendar week if you do it right. So uh, into the, the facts or, or to the, the belly of this teaching, a preponderance of evidence shows that the feeling of having enough time or time affluence is now at a record low in the United States. Basically, what that means is that in the United States, more people than ever feel like they don't have enough time. Now, when a survey was done of 2.5 million Americans by the Gallup organization, uh, they found that 80% of 80% of respondents did not have the time to do all they wanted to do each day. This situation is so severe. Basically, it's defined that whenever 80% or more people suffer from the same thing or have a lack of the same thing, it becomes a famine. So a collective cultural failure to effectively manage time, our most precious resource, has led to a time famine right and now just picture this right we've seen kind of the movies of like the future where you know like uh there's like this futuristic perspective of certain parts of the world and certain parts are like in a famine and certain parts are doing really well right and so just imagine because you can't really see time 
it's an asset that you can't like hold in your hand. Um, but picture, you know, we're, we're living in an, in an era where time is becoming um, like a form of poverty. We're running out of it because we're not managing it well. And so time poverty exists across all economic strata and its effects are profound. Research shows that those who feel time poor experience lower levels of happiness, higher levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. They experience less joy. They laugh less. They exercise less and are generally less healthy. Their productivity at work is diminished because of the stress of not having enough time. They are more likely to get divorced, the studies show, and in an analysis of the Gallup survey data, researchers found that time stress had a stronger effect, a negative effect on happiness than being unemployed did. So what that's saying is that people without a job show higher signs of happiness than people with good jobs that are time stressed. Um, so on a broader level, time poverty directly accounts for billions of dollars in productivity costs to companies each year and secondary costs multiply that number many times over. This is a lot of facts and I apologize, but I'm just trying to paint a picture and like drive the point home of how important this is and how much of an impact this is making across the country and probably in, in your life. So officials rank it as one of the top contributors to rising obesity, right? How many people do you say they don't have enough time to eat healthy or time to go to the gym? Researchers put the healthcare costs of time stress uh, at $48 billion a year. Right, so now that we've gotten kind of the boring facts out of the way, and now that I've painted a picture of how much of an effect this is making on our, on our lives, on our community, and on our country, um, we're going to get into, like, what can we do about it, right? What are the practical applications and the steps that we can take to make this better in our lives? And then, of course, in order, you know, in doing so, um, make an impact on our, on our friends and our family and our community, and hopefully long-term on the world, right? So the first step in managing your time in order to gain both time and money is look at time the way that we look at money. Why? So studies show that people who prioritize their time are more likely to pursue and work in careers that they love. Now, most of us prioritize our money pretty well, right? We might make bad financial decisions from time to time. Um, but here's an example. Every time you go spend $5 on a coffee or $100 on a pair of shoes, you normally ask yourself, is it worth it? You may or may not still buy it based off however you feel, but you're still asking yourself, is this purchase affordable and is it worth it? And then you justify the money that you spend or you decide not to spend it. You decide, I already have enough pairs of shoes. I really don't have the money for this right now. So what do you do? You create a time budget. And if you've listened to the show, I've probably mentioned this before because I'm really, really big on being strategic on how you spend your time. So how do you do that? You take a piece of paper or you get in your iPhone notes or a whiteboard in your office and you simply write 168. Because the thing about time, unlike money, is that it doesn't change. Every week, God gives us 168 hours, right? Seven days, 24 hours that never changes. In work, you might get a promotion, you might make more money. You might receive more profits in your business. You might get higher commissions. That can change, but time never changes, right? So we consistently have 168 hours in the week. So what do you do? You, For me, I try to sleep at least seven hours a night. 
So seven times seven, right away I'm taking 49 hours out of my budget. I know that I work 40 hours a week in the office. So another 40 hours is coming out of my schedule. I know that E3 takes up about eight hours of my week. So eight hours is gonna be pulled away from there. I know that I like to exercise six days a week for an hour and a half, right? So that is nine hours a week that I'm pulling out of my budget. I know that I like to intentionally spend up to eight to 10 hours a week with my friends or family or anything like that. So I'm pulling that out of my budget. And then what I'm gonna do is take all the consistent things that I do on a regular basis, work, um, I like to read my Bible every morning before I go to the office, so I sit down in the coffee shop, I grab a coffee, I study, I'm in school, and I know that I spend four hours a week on school, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually put these things in my calendar. So that way I've already pre-committed a certain amount of time each week on my agenda, so now I've created my time budget, and then once I do that, I know that I still have 23 hours left. So I have no excuse to do this new project or to try this new hobby or to exercise more or to go to the grocery store and eat healthy because I know exactly how much time I have left in my budget. So the first thing is look at time the way that we look at money. The second thing is plan to be spontaneous. Why? Because of what we call time slack. Now slack is per, a perceived surplus of a given resource available to complete a focal task. So our research shows that in general, people expect slack for time to be greater in the future than in the present. And this expectation of growth of slack uh, in the future is more pronounced for time than for money. So like I mentioned before, the one consistent thing in life is that there's always 168 hours in a week. But we always think I'll have more time in the future than I do right now, which makes no literal sense because time never changes. Now, what, what these studies are showing is that we always think that in the future we'll have more time, and we have that belief, and it's stronger than the idea that in the future we'll have more money, which in reality, the ability to make more money in the future is much greater than the ability to have more time because you literally cannot create time. And so why do we need to plan to be spontaneous? Because we always think that we'll have time in the future to do spontaneous things when in reality it's not the case. So what do we do? We plan your future time. Now when it comes to leisure time, the data suggests that people have a natural bias towards spontaneity. And that's not like me at all. I plan everything as you can tell from step one. I'm kind of a, a time nerd. And I don't expect anybody to necessarily go as far as maybe scheduling your sleep or anything like that like I do, but finding a happy medium somewhere in here is gonna really help you and, and help you to manage your life and your hobbies. But for this second one, planning to be spontaneous, um, we don't wanna feel like our time is too scheduled. So we do things like leaving the weekends up to chance, and in doing so, we end up wasting most of them. But we're actually much happier if we make plans and don't passively fritter away time. How many weekends have you gone saying midweek a friend reaches out to you and says hey what are you doing this weekend we should do this and you say yeah let's let's plan on that when the weekend comes around we'll knock that out um, I don't really feel like planning the weekend because I'm off work the weekend comes around you end up watching Netflix hanging out on your couch Sunday night comes around and you realize what did I even do this weekend and now you're upset that Monday is just one day away and you frittered away your weekend you didn't do anything that you planned on your friends are traveling they're doing cool things and you're watching them on Instagram and you're thinking, why can't I do this stuff? When you really can't, if you just plan to be spontaneous. So how do we do it? 
You communicate with your friends, your family, and or your spouse about your flexible time. See when they are free, so that way you can all enjoy each other's time together more, right? It just comes down to being strategic and planning to be spontaneous. What you need to do is let the people close to you know, hey, I'm, I have a three-day weekend. What are your days off? What times are you free? Plan breakfast, then go from there. But don't just roll into the weekend with no plans. Step three, plan your meals. Why? Uh, a professor at a school of management in Paris recently surveyed 12,000 French and American adults about their dining habits. He found that on average, the French spent significantly more time eating. In turn, they had a much more positive association with food. Americans actually spent more time choosing their meals than eating them. So what's happening is we're spending a lot of time trying to think of what we want to eat. And by the time we get it, we've ran out of that time. And so we have to rush through our food and go back to our day, right? In America, we have so many food options that are attractive, they're appetizing on every corner of the street. And then of course you've got different people in the office or at home that are, you know, they want different things. So you have to come converse about what it is that you want. So what do we do to avoid that? You plan your meals like you plan your outfits. Now some of you listening or watching, you don't plan your outfits, you kind of wake up and throw something on and that's cool too. But for most of us, we have a consistent schedule throughout the week so we know tomorrow I'm gonna wear this Maybe when I go to the gym, I'm going to wear this gym outfit because I have to pack it in my gym bag. So do the same thing with your meals. Again, why? So we can begin to enjoy our food, have a positive association with food, and stop wasting your time thinking about what you're going to eat because people will literally spend up to an hour before lunchtime deciding on what they want for lunch. Then you have to leave the office, go grab it, come back, that's been another hour, and then you have to eat in about eight minutes before you go back into that meeting. Right, so decide in advance what you're going to eat, commit to eating that, hopefully it's healthy, uh, and then you're gonna have a lot more time for other things and you'll enjoy your food. So how do we do this? One way is to prep and cook in advance. Another way is to use a meal prep company. Obviously I'm biased, but if you're in any other part of the country, of course we ship nationwide, but meal prep companies popping up everywhere and most of them are great. Um, it's hard to mess up good food, so find a meal prep company in your area and just give them a try. If they're affordable, it just makes sense to have somebody else make your food if you don't like to cook. And that way you don't waste five to 10 hours a week in the office thinking about what you wanna eat without even eating it. Um, or simply think about your lunch tomorrow in advance so when lunchtime comes around, you know where you're gonna go. The last thing, step four, is identify what is really worth saving money or time on. Um, now when I taught this to our staff uh, last week, I think they really liked it, at least the feedback was positive. So why do we do this? Sometimes our bargains are actually costing us more time and money. What do I mean by that? For example, a 10 hour flight versus a six hour flight ends up saving you $50 but cost you four more hours, right? So I know some people that will really find bargains whenever they go to find a flight. They'll have to leave early, they'll show up later, and they, they sit at um, you know a different airport for three, four hours just to save a little bit of money. And when it comes down to it, was it really worth that time, right? I would rather be in the new city, traveling, experiencing new things, and sitting in an airport waiting for a new flight. So I will spend $50 more, $100 more 
to get the fastest flight to a destination, right? So identify what is really worth saving time or money on. Another small example is just driving further for cheaper gas. Uh, this is, I think, a silly concept. You end up saving three cents a gallon, but you drive a mile down the road, which of course takes your time, literally takes money to drive further. Um, so that's another small example. Um, another example is going from store to store for a bargain on the same shirt that you could have bought for maybe $10 more at the first store that you went to, right? So a lot of us waste time trying to save money when our time is actually worth more than that money. Um, so what do we do? Always weigh the pros and cons of purchasing decisions. Now, everybody's different. Some people like to shop. So if getting a bargain is kind of the just an additional plus to your desire to shop, then that's great. If you like going from store to store to store and you actually enjoy spending your time doing that, then that's going to be different for you than it is for me. I loathe shopping. I'm a big Amazon guy. So if I find a shirt at the first store that I like and I know it might be $20 more than browsing another store and spending time in a crowded place, I'm just going to buy that shirt and I'm going to get out of there because I value my time more than I enjoy shopping. Um, so again, you just weigh the pros and the cons of your purchasing decisions. Um, again, if you enjoy sitting in an airport and like meeting strangers and doing that kind of stuff, then yeah, save money on your flights. Or if you want to get to your destination as quickly as possible, weigh the pros and the cons and make a decision based off of what it is that you enjoy the most and what it is that you really value the most. So how do we do this? I think the biggest way that we can do this, and this is hard to measure for some people, but learn to create more inner dialogue. Um, in my experience, a lot of people don't spend enough time in their mind weighing the pros and cons of decisions before they act, right? And this comes down to being proactive and not reactive. So for different things, you'll want to spend a different amount of time, but you'll want to create inner dialogue, always asking yourself the question, what is the greater outcome? What, which one outweighs pros versus the cons? You'll want to learn to do this quickly. For examples like the gas station, right? If you see a gas station up on your right, and you think it might be more expensive than the one down the street, you just need to decide right away if you're going to pull in or not because you can't spend a ton of time driving deciding if you want to save three cents a gallon. But of course, for things like airline tickets, you have to create an inner dialogue and maybe say, I need to sit down at the office or at home, browse these airline tickets and decide more strategically which one makes more sense based off the time and the money. So the best way to identify what is really worth saving money and time on is simply by creating and learning to create a more healthy and strategic inner dialogue and decision-making process. Um, so let's review. Time or money, choose one. And I think that once you learn to manage this well, you'll be able to choose both. And in turn, you're choosing happiness for yourself and for those around you. The first step is look at time the way that we look at money. The second step is plan to be spontaneous. Be open-minded about this one too because it's a hard concept. It's kind of a double negative, I get that. The third one is plan your meals in advance. And the fourth one is identify what is really worth saving your time and your money on. So that's episode 15, time or money, choose one. I really hope you enjoyed it and I hope it contributed some value to your life. Hopefully there was one or two strong takeaways from today's episode. As always, if you enjoyed the show, uh, 
or the podcast, please make sure to leave a review, uh, shoot us a comment, shoot us a message with any feedback that you have, uh, click the button to subscribe, and share it with any friends that you think it might add value to. We really, really appreciate reaching more people with the episodes. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll see you next time. Have an awesome day.